0: Love God. Lift others. Lift others. Welcome to Elevated Life Church. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Tina Lamone. song that I write, everything that I dream, laid it all at your feet, that I never could see, all the greatest of things that you've done for me, letting go of what I desire, boring more, boring more, burn it all for the fire, I've got more, got more, please more, your fire, until there's none, no more, left to me in the fire. And I know I'm so unworthy Father, I'm so imperfect Hidden in your son so perfectly Man, broke from the curse, you see Man, man, this really works for me Man, saved by grace and my love That I never could take my life To praise you, Lord Forever, Lord I praise you, Lord Oh, I lay down my I lay down my life I lay down So today, we are going to talk about a holy God. My message is titled Holy God, and so we're going to start in Colossians. Let's just pray one more time before we get into the word. Father, I just thank you for your presence. Jesus, continue to have your way. That's the theme of this Sunday, God, is to have your way. Lord, I just surrender my mind, my heart, my soul, my body, and my voice to you, Father. Not my will, but yours be done. God, I ask that you would speak through me. Lord, I put aside my desires. I put aside my agenda. Lord, I would even put aside these notes. And I trust you that you will speak today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. And so we're gonna start in Colossians chapter three, verses one through 10. And just to set it up and give you some context of these couple of verses here, this is a letter that Paul wrote to the Colossian church. And Paul is speaking to Christians, he's speaking to those who've already accepted Christ, to those who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, to those that realize and understand that he is the one that they have been waiting for and and they've decided to give their life over to Christ so Paul's not speaking to the lost he's speaking to the Christian he's speaking to the follower of Jesus the of of Christ and he's teaching them in this letter how to live the life that Christ died for them to have He begins to address some things because uh, he teaches them that their life should look differently than what it used to look before they were following Christ. That it could not look the same. That now that they were following Christ, that their old religion ways of worship were not to be a part of their new life and new walk with Christ. Their lives could not be lived contrary to the gospel. And so this letter was to convince them because, see, they were still being influenced by culture. They were still being influenced by their territory and the things that were acceptable at that time. And mostly what that spoke of is idol worship and the way they worshipped their idols. It was it was part of culture to worship idols. And when they worshipped idols, they did vile and even evil, evil and wicked things in that worship. And that's what they were accustomed to and that's what they were used to. That's where they were comfortable with. And so Paul is addressing them because that started to come into the church and Paul is addressing them and saying, wait a minute, you have to leave that old way of doing things out like that's dead, that you're dead to that. You don't need those things anymore. That Christ is supreme. And so in this letter, Paul uh, is writing to convince them that Jesus Christ was enough, that he is supreme above all. And that everything that they needed was found in him. And it was delivered to them because of his death and resurrection. And so Paul taught them what it it meant to live a life for Christ. And so um, let's read Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 10. And it says, so if you have been raised with Christ. If you have been raised with Christ. If, so he's asking, if. He's, he's, it's speaking of you have a choice, you have a decision, it's your choice. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden in Christ, hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, when Christ, who is your life, when Christ, who should be your life, Christ is my life. Is Christ your life? No, he is my life. So when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. So this is what you used to know. This is what you used to do that was common and familiar and comfortable for you. But you've died to that. You've died to those things. So now put away all the following Anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language from your mouth. You guys don't worry about that part because I know none of you. (laughs) Do not lie to one another. Since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of your creator. So culture doesn't, is not where you get your identity from. Um, your bloodline is not where you get your identity from. Your experiences is not what you get your identity from. You get your identity from your creator. That means you were created. You have a creator. You've come from somewhere, and that is from God. And so if you've accepted Christ, if you have accepted Christ, then you must die to yourself. To your desires. To your feelings. You must die to self, Jesus said. But Paul is telling us here right now. I was starting to jump ahead of myself. So Jesus, Paul was teaching, is preeminent. Which means that he surpasses all, including us. So to be preeminent means above all. There's nothing above it. And so Paul was teaching that Jesus was preeminent. So... When we know that, we acknowledge that if you've died with Christ and you've been resurrected, then that means that your desires do not take preeminence over Christ's desires for you. That means that your feelings do not take place over Christ's desires for you. And if they do, because remember, he said, if you've died with Christ, so if your desires do take preeminence over Christ, then you've not been raised with Christ from the dead. You have not died to yourself, and you are still very much living for someone, but it's not Christ. You're living for someone, but it's not for Christ. He says, you must put to death the things that used to guide and rule your life, Paul said. You must put them to death. So let's go to the Gospels. Let's go to where Paul learned these things ways of living and following Christ. And what better way than to go and read the words of Jesus? So who better than Jesus? Matthew. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. Come on, you guys. Say amen. amen. Are you with me? Pull on the word. Pull. Don't, don't just sit there and listen to this great, encouraging message. This is not a great, encouraging message. This is God speaking to you. So let's pull on the word. You got to position yourself to pull and to receive there's stuff getting released, take it, grab it for yourself. Okay. So it says in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 25, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others, Elijah, still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, he, he asked, he asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? So Simon Peter answered and he said, You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus responded, Blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. So your flesh didn't tell you this. Yourself didn't tell you this. He says, But my Father in heaven... And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah. From then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem to suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and to be killed and to be raised on the third day. And look at Peter. He just acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah. And Jesus' response to Peter was, Yes, Peter. He praised him. He, he made it known to the other disciples, Peter, you're the rock that I'm going to build my church on. Jesus was like, yes, Peter is on my side. Yes, Peter, your flesh didn't tell you that. Your eyes haven't told you that. You know that because you've been spending time with God, the Father, your creator. You are in tune with the creator, Peter. So Jesus was saying, like, Yes. He's praising him. Can you imagine how great that must have felt for Peter? For for Jesus to acknowledge him that way, to encourage him, and then to even say, I'm going to build my church on you. You're the foundation. You're going to help me do this. We're on the same team. All the things that Peter must have felt. And then Jesus begins to tell them, and Peter took Jesus aside, it says, and he began to rebuke him. And he said, Oh no, Lord, mm-mm, not on my watch. This is not happening. This is not gonna happen to you. Jesus turned and told Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Look how quickly Jesus went from acknowledging that Peter was in the right, that he was on the path of hearing God's voice, to then calling him Satan. This was Jesus' disciple. And so, in just three sentences, goes from saying, Your flesh didn't tell you that. That was God who spoke this to you. You know this because God told you. And now he's saying, get behind me, Satan. He says, you are a hindrance to me because you are not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. Amen. Peter was so confident. You are the Messiah. You are the one we've been waiting for. We're following you. Jesus is like, Yes, this is my best friend, Peter. I mean, can you imagine that that's probably what he was thinking? Like he was validating himself and what Jesus said to him. He was like, yes, I've arrived. I'm in the right place. This is, these are my people. This is who I belong to. It probably felt really good. And then in a few more words, then Jesus says, you're a hindrance to me. Because the things that you care about are human concerns. They're not God's concerns. And Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm concerned about what God is concerned about. Yeah. I'm not concerned about what makes you feel good. Now listen, think about it. Peter loved Jesus. Peter was following Jesus. Peter was like, bro, I'm not going to let them hurt you. you. Wouldn't you put yourself in the same position and probably do the same thing? If someone that you love, someone that you have spent time with, someone who validates you, someone who understands you, if someone steps to them, if they're, you know, threatening them, are you going to just move out of the way and just let whatever happens? Oh, that's between you and them? No, I don't think so. I'm gonna say, if you're gonna hit them, then you're gonna hit me first. If you're gonna get to them, you gotta go through me too, right? That's like good. That's a loyal person, someone who's, who's there. So Peter's you know, response to Jesus saying like, that's not gonna happen to you, not on my clock. I mean, that was kind of like a noble thing, right? An honorable thing. But let me just get you to think about it a little bit different. Jesus said, what you're concerned about is human concerns, and I'm concerned about the things of God. So Peter stood up and said, no, I'm going to protect you. I'm not going to let those things happen. But Peter was saying that because Peter didn't want to feel what it felt like to be separated from Jesus. So this was out of Peter's selfish feelings and desires. But it looked so good. It looked right. It looked like we would honor, we would respect somebody who would defend, right? We would respect somebody and hear Jesus saying, you're an hindrance to me, and he's calling him Satan. So how quickly and easily it is once we've made a decision to follow Christ, to get off track, to let our feelings guide us, make decisions for us, cause us to respond. So Peter didn't want to see Jesus die. Peter didn't want to see Jesus suffer because that wouldn't feel good. And so Peter's response came out of that desire of not wanting to see Jesus suffer. But that was his self. That was his own feelings. And so he responded out of that because that was part of who Peter was. And Jesus said, no, you're a hindrance to me. Because of your thinking, you're a hindrance to me. Jesus was following the voice of his father. Peter's concerns were human concerns. Jesus said, let him deny himself. If you want to follow me, so he addressed this with Peter. If you want to follow me, let him deny himself. That word deny means to refuse to let yourself have. So just think about that for a moment. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, You must deny yourself. Let him deny himself. So he gives you the option. It's your choice. Let him deny himself. Let him refuse himself some of his feelings. Let him refuse himself to have selfish motives. Let him refuse some of his desires. Let him refuse some of his cravings. And so that's part of following Christ is that we're choosing to live a life that Christ died for us to have. That means we have to deny our feelings, our desires, our goals, our dreams. We have to lay it all down. God's concerns are human concerns. What is leading your life? Let's look at Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. Jesus continues to teach the disciples and he says to them, no one can serve two masters. Since either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. So you cannot live for yourself and follow Jesus at the same time. You cannot do it. Jesus said this, you cannot have two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. And in this scripture, money speaks of seeking wealth and desiring uh, natural things and seeking out uh, provision. So when you're seeking out wealth, it shows that you don't trust God and his ability and desire to provide for you. Or that you want it before he says that you can have it. You're seeking out things that are, that probably God wants to give you, but you want it when you want it and you don't want to wait for God to give it to you. So that's serving self. And there's Christians who are calling themselves Christ followers, but they do what they want to do when they want to do it. Uh, This is a joke. Okay. Okay. But Diego, um, as he was growing up and coming into being a teenager, I would you know, tell, instruct him or give him instructions and tell him to do something or don't do a specific thing. And he would respond to me and say, I do what I want when I want. I would be like, boy, he was, he was brave. But that was his flesh speaking. Like it was a joke, but really that's what was inside of him. Uh, And that's like the life of a teenager. They want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. They don't care about the consequences. They're not thinking about the consequences. And unfortunately, that's the way most of the church is living. That's the way most of the Christ followers are living. Jesus told the disciples, don't worry about what you eat, drink, or where you're going to sleep. Because that's what the pagans do. They are concerned about those physical needs. You are either following your desires... Or you're following God's way. It can't be both at the same time. This foot going in this direction and this foot going in this direction takes me nowhere. Takes me nowhere. It's impossible. You cannot follow Christ and follow yourself. Meet your own needs. Live your own life at the same time. But many of us are doing that. It can't be both at the same time. And so, whichever direction it is that you're going in, you have willfully chosen that direction. It is your will to follow yourself, to meet your needs, to do the things that you want to do. You know, many of you have addictions, you're struggling with addictions. And you're, you say things, well, one drink doesn't hurt. Like, I, I enjoy drinking, like, it's just a social thing. But you can't handle just one drink, you drink to get drunk. And the Bible says, do not be drunk with wine. The Bible tells us not to do that, to be sober, to be vigilant, so that you can make decisions that line up with following Christ. Yeah. But we excuse that because it feels good. I like to. It feels good to me. That's not following Christ, that's yourself. You are king, self is king. Some of us, uh, we like to sleep. Some of us, it's different. Some of us are addicted. My addiction would be sugar. Sometimes at night, I'm like, I just need a cookie. (laughs) Before I go to bed, I need a cookie. I have to submit that to Christ. I have to surrender that to Christ. Otherwise, my health would be horrible. Whichever direction that you are going, and you have willfully chosen that direction. So I want to ask you, what are the things in your life that are contributing to you continuing to choose yourself over following God? What are the things in your life, maybe it's the people that you're hanging around, maybe it's the things that you're watching on TV, maybe it's the things, the songs that you're listening to, teenagers. If you're struggling with following God and being obedient, check what you're listening to. It matters. It matters what you're listening to. Because here's the thing, it will make your heart hard to the voice of God. It will make your heart hard to obeying God. So what are those things that are making it easy for you to choose yourself over God? Because those things are blockers. They're blocking you from connecting with God daily. They are pushing you away from intimacy and connection with God. So you gotta recognize what those things are and you gotta start to deal with those things that are blocking you and your relationship with God. When we are feeding our flesh, when we're satisfying our desires, It makes us numb to the presence of God. Do you realize that, uh, you know, we, I've said this before, we, we say, God, I invite you into this place. God's already here. He created the world. He's already here. That's part of like our human way of saying, God, I want, I want to feel your presence. I invite you to move in my life and in my, in my heart. It's a way we communicate to each other. Welcome. I welcome you here. And so we say that to God, but God's already here. But the thing is, is when we're serving ourselves, when we're satisfying our selfish desires, it makes us numb to the presence of God. It makes us, it it causes us to be blind and not aware that in some of the situations that we're going through or dealing with, God's already there. God's already there. Let's look at Luke chapter nine, verse 23. This is Luke's account of what Jesus said. And Luke said, if any man, Luke said that Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. So in Luke's version, he adds the word daily. That Christ said daily. This is something that daily you have to do. You have to die to self daily. And follow me. It says, if any man will come. Again, it's your choice. Which way are you going? Which way have you been coming, going? Will you follow Christ? Because you can't go into the directions at the same time. It says, let him deny himself. Following Jesus requires denial of self. And we must, we must sacrifice. We must give up our selfish desires. But here's the thing. Many Christians are not sacrificing self most of us are rather very self-indulgent especially when it comes to pleasure or when we're bored we seek to please ourselves and there's no limits to what we will do to feel good there's no limits to what we'll do to satisfy our flesh to be self-indulgent means this to do exactly what you want to do whenever you want to do it and so when Jesus told Peter, you can't do what you want to do when you want to do it. You think you want to protect me? That's not about me. That's about you. And so we've got to recognize some of the things that we're struggling with, some of the things that we're repeating in our lives, some of the things that we're doing, some of the cycles that we're going through is because we're choosing ourselves over Christ. We're choosing ourselves over Christ, and so we don't have the victory in those things. I'm not saying that cycles won't come, but you should have victory more than you're failing. And some of us are at the same level we've been at for years, fighting the same battles, going through the same things. Christ says, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. So there's no restraint when it comes to feeding our flesh and satisfying ourselves. When we live for our own interest, we are neglecting God We're neglecting our relationship with Jesus, and we're neglecting the Holy Spirit. We cannot keep serving ourselves and believe the lie that we are following God, because you're not. You're not following God. There is no deliverance. There's no healing. There's no vision. There's no power. There's no future in your Christian walk unless you deny yourself and follow God. There are only repetitive cycles of failure, disappointment, heartbreak, bondage, and death. So there's so many times where we've sat down and counseled people. I'm specifically use singles as an example. I've, I've counseled so many singles who've said to me, you know, my husband and I said to us, pastors, like, I'm tired of picking the wrong type of person. I'm tired of ending my relationships this way. I'm tired of finding myself in the same cycle. I'm tired of going back to these addictions. I'm tired of failing. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of the oppression and the depression. And so usually we'll challenge and encourage that person and say, you know what, now is a time that God really wants to grow you. He wants to heal you of these things. So maybe you should take some time and not date anyone right now so that you can focus on your relationship with God so that God, give God room and time to build you up. And when you're in a relationship with someone else, it, it messes with your, being, your capacity to hear what God's saying because being with someone physically is meeting a need and it feels really good. And so you, you'll have the tendency to put that before hearing from God. And so right now, until you're, your hearing from God is stronger than your desire to be in a relationship with someone, take some time and Be alone. Let me tell you, 99.9% of the time that we have given that advice, it has not been taken. They continue to be in relationships. They continue dating, even though we clearly said, right now, set this time aside, consecrate yourself, let God speak to you, let your relationship with, grow, grow with God so that you don't keep making the same cycles, so that when you are in a relationship that you can bring something to this relationship, and that's your relationship with Christ. So that you can actually add to the person and not take something from them. So that you can go in with, I'm already full. I don't need you to fill me up. But let's do life together. Let's accomplish kingdom things together. But the advice isn't taken. Why? Because self is more important than following Christ. That means you're selfish. I'm selfish. So I'm not pointing the finger but we're selfish. We're selfish Christians. And Jesus is saying, you need to deny yourself. You need to deny yourself. So the truth is, is that we need limits in our lives. We need someone to help us to discover and to decide what you should limit in your life, because many of us are just trying to do it on our own. We don't want people to know about our weaknesses. We don't want people to know about our struggles and our cycles. We want people to see, oh, I'm a Christian. I love God. I lift others. I'm a follower of Christ, but I'm meeting my needs. God understands. But Paul told the Colossians, he said, if you have accepted Christ, if you've died and risen with Christ, you let that old life go. All those secrets, they need to go. All those addictions, they need to go. All those ways that you believe about life, that your parents have taught you, that your culture has taught you, that your circumstances have taught you, you need to submit all those things to Christ. Even the good things, even the good desires, the desires that look good can be contrary to God's will for your life. You know, sometimes just because something's good doesn't mean it's God. A good thing at the wrong time, is not a good thing. It's a bad thing. It's not a God thing if it's not in the right time. So it's not about, oh, this is good, this is bad. No, it's about listening to the voice of God and putting God's will before your own desires, submitting your desires to God. So Paul said, said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He understood and he knew that when Jesus was on the earth, they followed him by proximity. He he was physically there with them. So it was easier to follow Christ. I mean, it was still a sacrifice. It was still hard. They still had to do things that they didn't want to do. But you get what I'm saying. Jesus was physically there doing it with them. So they had something to look at. They had a person to ask questions to. They had a, a, Jesus, why are we doing it this way? Jesus, who are you praying for? Why did you pray for him that way, Jesus? They had him there, it was proximity. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So he put himself in between following Jesus and the people. He understood that when Jesus was on the earth, All you simply had to do, if you wanted to hear what he was saying, was get close to him and you could hear his voice. So you simply walked up to him or behind him or beside him. You could seek him out to stay close to him to be able to see what he was doing. It was as physical as much as it was spiritual. But Paul understands when he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ, that now Jesus is not with us in the physical. He's not with us in a physical sense So it's a lot less tangible. Following Jesus is a lot less tangible for us. So how do we follow Jesus as Christians? How do we follow him now? We know that Jesus is everywhere. Like I said, he's omnipotent, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere, he's in us, he's before us, he's beside us, he's behind us, right? He's everywhere. So how do we follow him? Let me give you three very simple ways to follow Jesus. You remember his teachings by staying in the word of God. You stay in communion with his Holy Spirit. And you follow the example of those whom you are called to. God has called us to follow others. Paul stood up and said, follow me while I follow Christ. Because Jesus understood. Paul understood. They thought they knew how to follow. But they didn't. And so Paul had to say, Watch me as I follow Christ. Many Christians believe that they know how to follow Christ. They, they believe that they know how to follow Jesus, and they're only actually enjoying the idea of following Him. They are following themselves. And what happens when you're following yourself, yourself is leading, then you begin to have idols in your life. You begin to have idolatry against God. That was one of the very first things that God revealed to the children of Israel is that you have no other gods before me. Don't put anything before me, nothing comes before me. But when we serve self, you are serving idols. That means, you know, when when the children of Israel went through the wilderness, when they came into the time of having judges and rulers, you can read over and over again in the book of Judges where it says, That they did what was right in their own eyes. That they stopped obeying God. That they stopped living in the will and the purpose of God. They stopped relying on God and they did what was right in their own eyes. They served themselves. They went back to what was comfortable to them. So when I say to find a healthy leader, I'm not talking about a perfect leader. There is no perfect leader. And if that's important to you, I love you and you're welcome to visit, but this is not the church for you because I'm not perfect. My husband's not perfect. So if you're looking for a perfect leader, they're not here. Let me just save you the time. So I'm not, when I'm telling you and I'm encouraging you to follow someone, that hangs many of you up. You're like, no, it's just me and Jesus. And you're deceived because you're looking at somebody else's life and saying, oh, well, they're not, I'm not going to follow them because blah, 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 whatever. Follow someone who is bearing the fruit of following Jesus in their own lives, not a perfect person. Someone who is willing to say, "Follow me." Someone who is willing to say, "I messed up. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Don't make the same mistake that I made." But guess what? We make we instead we we make our we want to make our own mistakes because we're selfish. We don't want to listen. We don't want to follow someone. And that tells you that you're serving yourself and you're not serving Christ. You're you're putting yourself first. Well, I just have to find out for myself because you're selfish. Because you follow your own desires before you follow Christ. So let's look at uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 22. And we're going to start at actually, actually at verse sixteen, not thirteen. We're going to start at verse sixteen. It says, "My counsel is this: live freely, animated and motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of self. For there is a root of sinful, selfish interest in us that is at odds with the free spirit. Just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness, so he's saying they don't go together." It's not, it doesn't, being, serving self and following God's spirit that gives us freedom does not go together. It's incompatible. They don't work together. It's water and oil. It doesn't mix. These two ways of life are contrary to each other so that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. How much clearer He lays it out for us. Paul lays it out for us so clear. When Jesus said, follow me, Paul said, let me help you with what he meant by that. Let me explain to you what he was talking about. Depending on how you feel, you don't get to choose. You don't get to choose. You have to submit that to Christ. Your desires, your dreams, your goals, even all the good things, they have to die. Because you have to learn to make Christ a priority. Until Christ is a priority, then he gives you back your dreams, your desires, your wants. And it's way better. It's way better. So it says, why don't you just choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence. Now listen to this. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. So many of us are followers of Christ, but we are tirelessly making decisions, working, maneuvering, manipulating to get our way all the time. It says this is what comes out of This is what you'll develop out of trying to get your way all the time. This is the fruit that you're gonna bear. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. So cheap, repetitive, loveless connecting with others. A stinking accumulation of mental, emotional garbage. Wow, to me, that speaks to me. I relate to that. Here I am, a few years ago I was diagnosed with CPTSD. Not just PTSD, but CPTSD. I'd never even heard of that before. I didn't know what it was. So it wasn't just post-traumatic stress disorder. It was complex post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm like, of course. Of course that has to be what it is. I didn't know what that was, and so I had to research. And when the psychologist told me that, initially I rejected. I said, no, I don't. I don't have complex PTSD. I didn't want that. I'm like, God, you heal me. I want you to do a miracle. I want you to heal me right now. That's what I wanted, but that was my desire. It was a good desire. I wanted to be healed. I had to surrender that and submit that to God, but I wasn't yet ready to do that. And so I continued to research and figure out what, what what does CPTSD mean? And I started to see how I was responding to certain scenarios or instances and how my body would uh, respond and um, things that I would say or ways that I would try to protect myself that I didn't really realize why I was doing these things and why I had no control. Here I am, a praying Christian. I read my Bible. I'm following after the heart of God. I'm a pastor and I'm struggling with some things, with some weaknesses with some cycles that I hated, and I couldn't get the victory over those things. And so I'm seeking out help, and my therapist begins to tell me, Tina, you need to go to a trauma center. You need to address some of these things that you're dealing with in your physical body. So guess what I did? I stopped going to that therapist because I didn't want to go to a trauma center. No, God's going to heal me. God's going mirac- to, he's just going to take care of it, and I'm not going to be, I'm not going to do those things anymore. Yet I continued to do them. So I went to another therapist, because I didn't like what that therapist said. So I went to another therapist, started paying more to see a new therapist. And guess what she told me? Tina, if you want to stop these cycles, you, I think you really need to go to a trauma center. There's some things you need to address. There's some memories that you need to confront. There's some things that have happened that you need to confront and come to grips with. So the first therapist told me, you need to go to a trauma center. And the one she uh, referred me to was like a three to seven day. And I was like, heck no, I'm not going to no trauma center for three days. I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. God, pick another way. So then the new therapist says, Tina, there's this trauma center. It's 30 days. <laughs> so guess what I did? I stopped seeing her and I went back to the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do 30 days at a trauma center. And I, and, she, and I remember she the look on my face. She said, are you okay? And I was like, 30 days? That's just kind of freaking me out a little bit. And she's like, I realize... You know, she said, I realize that's a lot for you to hear. She said, but if you want to get victory over this, if you want to change, if you want to get some freedom, there's some things that you got to confront and you don't have to do it alone. She was a Christian, thank God. She said, you don't have to do it alone. And so I went back to the other therapist and I got her referral and I made the decision to go to the trauma center. Let me tell you, I went to that trauma center angry at God. I was mad because I was submitting myself. I was having to submit myself to someone else. I was following someone else's advice and it was hard to do it. It was a sacrifice for me. I didn't want to go to a trauma center. I was going to have to leave my phone with them. I'm saying have to, but I chose to do it. But I was still mad about the things that I had to do because of my choice. And I just went there and I just... Told God the whole way there, God, why am I here? Why do I have to do it this way? This feels like I'm alone. Why am I having to deal with these things by myself? I was so mad. I was so mad. I got there and I handed over my phone when I was in registration, and I just remember like trembling. And I said, God, I don't want to do it this way, but not my will. Your will needs to be done in my life. And I want to be healed. I don't want to pass these things on to my kids. I don't want to continue to live in flight or fight and always be defending myself and trying to protect myself from people that I don't even know because I don't trust anyone. God, I want to believe in people. I want to be healed. And so not my will but yours be done. You know what that was? That was a decision to die to myself. I had to make a decision to die to myself. So I'm encouraging you and I'm challenging you and I'm telling you as followers of Christ to do something that God has been dealing with me on. Tina, if you wanna walk in healing, if you want the anointing on your life, if you wanna see people delivered and set free, then you have to die to your plan and your way of doing things and getting there. And you have to do it the way I'm telling you to do it. So it says repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. I was tired of the emotional garbage. I was tired of the repetitiveness. Frenzied frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods, magic show religion. That's what I wanted. I wanted God to do a magic show and deliver me like that instantly. Paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to be loved, to love or be loved, divided homes, divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into uh, into a rival. How many of you know someone who's always posting on Facebook or Instagram? They hating on me. They don't want to see me succeed. The hater's going to hate. Um, even if they're not cheering me on, I'm still going to do what God's called me to do. Like, really? You really think a lot about yourself. If you think that many people are against you, don't you everybody's got somebody in your head that you're thinking of right now. It addresses it in Scripture. Depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Stop doing that. It's not about you. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. I could go on, he says. This isn't the first time that I have warned you. You know if you use your freedom this way because God has given you the choice. It's your option. If you use the freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. If you're following Christ. That means that you've been given a gift, you've been given the keys of the kingdom and that you're supposed to experience that here, the kingdom of God on earth. Not only are you supposed to experience the kingdom of God on earth, which is joy, peace, love, freedom, but you're supposed to be able to give it to other people. But if you're not dying to yourself, you're not experiencing the kingdom of God. When we give ourselves over to the flesh, it consumes us. So don't be deceived. I'm going to just do this this one more time. Yeah. Nope. No flesh. No, I'm not going to look at that computer. I, my sex drive is so strong right now. I just want to go look at the, the computer and just satisfy myself right now. And then I'm never going to do it again. That's a lie. Your flesh demands to be fed. So you have to train your flesh what you desire. You have to train your flesh what it is that you want. If you want your life to produce the life that Christ died for us to have, you have to put your flesh under submission. Because otherwise it will bind us and it brings out the worst in us. Daily you have to choose to give yourself over to God and his desires for you. And let me tell you something, I'm not talking about self-awareness. I'm not talking about being self-aware. I'm talking about denying yourself to follow Christ because there is a difference. God is not going to make you do something you don't want to do. He will not force you. He's given you free will. He wants you to choose and decide. However, he will ask you to do things that you don't want to do. He will ask you to do things that you don't feel equipped to do. He will ask you to do things that you don't feel qualified to do. He will ask you to do things that are outside of your comfort zone. He will ask you to do things that you don't think your brain is wired for. He will ask you to step out of your personality to follow him. I've heard so many people say, that's just not me. This is just who I am. I'm always going to be this way. That's just, I can't help it. You can, but you choose not to. And the way that you help it is by surrendering to God, by bringing it to Jesus' feet and saying, you know, Jesus, this temptation is very strong right now to not trust this person. They've given me no reason not to trust them, but I, I don't know, something inside of me just doesn't want to trust them. But God, I realize that because I was so hurt as a child, I was abused, I was neglected, I wasn't protected, it affects my ability to see good in people. It affects my ability to trust or open myself up. So God, even though right now I'm struggling to trust this person, I just ask Holy Spirit that you would help me not to respond out of my trauma, but that you would help me to respond out of my healing, out of your love, out of your death for me, out of your resurrection for me. That's dying to self. That is dying to self. Our tendencies our repetitious thoughts and behaviors. Give it to God and ask him. You acknowledge it, be real about it, be true about it. But God, I need your help because I, I, I can't stop doing this on my own. I need your help to not do this. You know, it makes me think about uh, the Enneagram and what that is is like a test that you take to discover what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses and what your personality is like. And so, The problem is, is that instead of using this as a guide to help people grow and mature, Christians use it to give themselves identities and make excuses for why they are the way that they are, for the choices that they continue to make over and over, choices that are limiting them, choices that are keeping them from submitting to God, choices that are keeping them from following God. But the Bible says that you're dead to sin. You're dead to your choices. That if Christ lives in you, you live in Him. And He gives you the power, He gives you the capacity to overcome and go beyond what these profiles suggest that you can do. When you follow God, you step out of your personality. You do whatever it takes to bring glory to God. Do whatever it takes to follow the one who created you, your Savior. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. He didn't say, I can do some of the things that are in my wiring and personality through Christ. He said, I can do all things. So self-awareness is helpful. It's even wise to reference these things when making choices like job, career, or things like that. But the bottom line is, is that as a Christ follower, you simply need to accept that sometimes you have to do things that you don't want to do because Christ is asking you to do it. Your personality profile does not have the final say, God does. And on the other side of being aware of your strengths and your weaknesses, on the other side of that is your dependence on God and God's strength and God's leading. Push yourself beyond your desires, push yourself. Recognize your desires, recognize your feelings and then push yourself beyond them. That's how you follow Christ, be faithful to God. You, you, some of us are so faithful to ourselves. Like I need a rest day. I'm going to go get myself a massage. I'm going to do this, but we're not faithful to God. We'll take care of ourselves, but we don't take care of our relationship with God. We're not loving on God. We're not checking on God. You understand what I'm saying? Not to make sure God's okay, but to make sure you're okay with God. Let's look at, um, second Timothy chapter four, verses three through five. Before I read that, I just want to say to you, don't let your heart be numb to the importance of following God daily. For the time will come, it says, when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything, endure hardships, Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So Paul was saying here, do the work. It's going to be hard to follow Christ, but do it anyway. Because when you do that, it's going to enable you to witness to others, to bring others to Christ. To fulfill your purpose and your calling and the reason that he created you. So let me ask you, what are your ears itching to hear? Because that's where you're going to seek your answers. Check yourself. What am I itching to hear? And justifying in how I'm living my life. Am I living a self-led life or have I learned to deny myself and put Christ first? Self-control is hard, but do it anyway. Don't stop bringing glory to God with your life. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 19. It says, Therefore I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over when they fulfill the desires of their flesh. They're giving themselves over. To promiscuity, for the practice of every kind of impurity with the desire for more and more. You think you're going to satisfy, but you will never be satisfied. And it takes you to a place that you never imagine yourself having the capacity to be. When you pursue or satisfy the flesh, it blocks your awareness of God and his will. You will not experience the joy, the peace, the grace, the forgiveness, the hope, the life the healing, the power, the anointing, and I can go on and on. The holiness of a life lived for God. God is holy. And he desires his children to be holy. To live a holy life, you must learn to deny yourself. To put Christ first. To put your desires on the cross and let that cross go to death. Let your desires go to death because he's going to give it back to you. He's going to give it back to you. It's going to be better than anything that you could have imagined. It's going to be with freedom. It's going to be minus the repetitive cycles, the drama, the failures, the disappointments, the betrayals. Stand with me as we close. We're going to close with this. Scripture, it's in First Peter chapter one, if I can get someone to help me on the keys. First Peter chapter one, verses 14 through 15. It says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. You were living in ignorance, you didn't know what you were doing before. But now you, that's no longer where you are. You're not in ignorance anymore. He says, but just as he who called you is holy, so you be holy in all you do. 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to read it to you now in the message version. It says, so roll up your sleeves. Get your head in the game. Be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil. Doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then, but you do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, not our own desires. A life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy, you be holy. You call out to God for help and he helps. He's a good, good father that way. But don't forget, he's also a responsible father. And he won't let you get by with sloppy living. He won't let you get by with sloppy living. He doesn't want you in the same cycles, especially not as his followers. So this could be a great message for someone who doesn't know Christ, who hasn't received Christ. And I definitely am going to give you that invitation to receive Christ today. But my heart in this message was because these are the things that God has been teaching me. This is the way Jesus has been teaching me to follow him. And I shared with you my own personal experience of the things that I wasn't submitting to Christ that I had to die to myself in because I, I was desiring Christ to heal me but I wanted it to be my way that was comfortable for me. I didn't wanna be in a room telling people how, what, I, what I remembered, I didn't wanna do that. That was, that was uncomfortable. Who wants to do that? Nobody. But that's what it was going to take for me to overcome some of my struggles. So this is a message that God has been speaking to me. So I'm speaking to you, Christ followers. How many Christ followers do I have in this room? I want to encourage you, keep dying to Christ. When your leaders are asking you to do something that you don't want to do, submit yourself tell your flesh, tell your soul, tell your mind, it's okay if you're not comfortable doing it. God is asking you to do it. So you do it. Do it for God. God sacrificed for you. This is the least you can do. This is the least you can do for him. I think that this is your way of telling me something. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the app store and you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.